0: Coming up on Golf Today, Georgia Bulldog Russell Henley joins the show after his victory at Mayakoba. How did he get it done, and does he still have a reminder message that tells him he's the best putter in the world? Plus, we look ahead at the Charles Schwab Cup finale on PGA Tour Champions. Whose season was more impressive, Bernhard Langer or Steven Alker? And fresh off her maiden LPGA win, Gemma Dryborough stops by to talk about those 65s in Japan. Looking to stay hot at the Pelican. We want winners on Golf Today. Golf Today. News of the day 15-time major champ Tiger Woods will tee it up in next month's Hero World Challenge. December 1st through the 4th. Been able to watch him on Golf Channel on that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. NBC on Sunday. This will mark Tiger's first start since the Open at St. Andrews. And yes, Tiger Woods with to social media saying, I'm excited to announce that I will be in the field for this year's Hero World Challenge. And a big welcome to Kiz and Tommy Fleetwood for joining us as well. See you at Albany this is golf today Damon hack alongside Eamon Lynch golf week magazine it sounds like Tiger Woods will have a very busy December yeah not only is the hero world challenge
1: then a week later we've got Tiger playing the match with Rory McIlroy Jordan Spieth Justin Thomas Mm. and a week after that presumably playing the parent child tournament with Charlie in Orlando
0: so it's going to be a Tiger Fest in December yeah I'm not surprised at all he has used the hero world challenge flat golf course four rounds smallish Field, small gallery. 2017, he played and had a very nice. 2018, he played in 2018 and had an historic. 2019, when he won the Masters, we have seen Tiger Woods kind of use this event to test his body, to test his golf swing. And I think, having spent time with him, I'm not surprised that he makes this announcement today. Um, I got to sit next to him at Pebble Beach and listen to him talk about, you know, quoting Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And, and we've been covering him for more than 20 years. And it's still a reminder to me that we can still learn something new about this 82-time PJ Tour winner. I don't think he's doing this just because it's his event. I think he believes that there are bigger things ahead for him in 2023. It tells you about the health that he feels he has, the strength of his leg, and the big-time appointments he still thinks he has in this game.
1: And let's just give thanks that even in a divided country, we can still find something that unifies us, which is Tiger is back. And... and- who would have thought the world number 1,245 would mm. create so much buzz on a Wednesday in November? But that's still the silly impact of Tiger Woods out here. And to me, the, the promise here is what it portends mm. moving forward. We're going to see him a lot in December. The events that he's playing in December, it's going to be great to see. The meaning of those events is probably a little lighter than the, the regular PGA Tour events that we'd like to see him in, obviously. But what this means going forward and when we next see Tiger Woods, because we've seen him over the course of the last six months, particularly in his public comments in St. Andrews, take a very strident voice alongside Rory McIlroy as his advocate for the PGA Tour and a critic of of LivGov. And does that come with the assumption that Tiger would feel the obligation to support the product, in that case, Mm. to actually show up more often or as much as his body allows, which is presumably more than it has ..during the course of this year, because I I know Tiger has told people that he thought he came back a little bit too early Mm. from from his recovery last time. So it'll be interesting to see to what extent we do see Tiger show up in regular tour events. You know, the uh, Farmers Insurance at Torrey Pines, where he's won more times than anyone else, that's at the end of January. Then there are back-to-back weeks that are are possible for him as well, between the, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which is one of the first elevated events... Of next year. He's not eligible for the first one at Century, but
0: he would be eligible at Phoenix. And then the following week, his own event at the Genesis. Yeah, one of the things Tiger talked about last year was that maybe his leg wouldn't get that much better than it was post car crash. But I tell you what, to, to listen to him talk, and there you see his results from last season, I think it's more than just the place that he has in the game with Rory, though that is a part of it, this new role that he's playing, spokesman. Businessman, I still think at the end of the day, it's the competitor inside him that still believes that he can get the better of Justin Thomas and Rory McElroy. And to sit next to him, to look at his body, to watch his walk and his gait, and to listen to him talk about that tippy top of the mountain where he resides, and that Kobe Bryant resided, and other people of his ilk, and to say, what are you willing to sacrifice to be great? And that's his message to young people in that room at Pebble Beach. And that's been how he's lived his life, sacrificing things to be the best ever. I still think he thrives on hard work and competition. It's his oxygen, it's his fuel, and it'll be that way at 46. I think it'll be that way at 66. You know, Arnold Palmer was the same way. Jack Nicklaus, there are just certain athletes that come, you know, maybe once in a lifetime or a couple times that are just built differently and despite everything that he's been through or maybe because of everything he's been through, Amen. I still think he is built in that image.
1: Well, when you were watching him and sitting next to him at Pebble Beach, it was in the context of his foundation. There's kids mm-hmm. around. He's sending a message. I'm curious if you got a sense that we, we know the body can't sustain right. a, a, an intense schedule anymore. We particularly saw that at Southern Hills when he had to withdraw. But again, very early days in his recovery back then. Did you get any sense at all that the drive that has defined this guy for his entire adult life, and frankly his childhood Mm. as well, that that has diminished in any respect at all?
0: I don't think he needs it, but I still think he wants it. I think he's comfortable with what he's accomplished in this game, and he's even said that this is the gravy part of his career, but I also still think that he walks onto a property and feels like he is the best player in the game and that he thinks differently and sees the golf course differently and breaks it down differently. Height of power, it used to be, you know what? I've hit more balls than anybody this week. I've lifted more weights than anybody this week. I've run more miles than anybody this week. And I'm better than everybody. Of course, I'm going to win. And I'm not just going to win. I'm going to beat you by 10 or by 8. He can't quite maybe put the foot on the gas to that extent as he used to. But I still think that the mind is very sharp and that the will is still there and that this young generation only adds more logs to the fire for him. Do you remember? I think it was at the Hero last year. Maybe Tiger
1: gave a, a press conference and we had Nota Begay on the show afterwards. And Tiger made this comment, saying that he didn't feel the need, he didn't feel the urge to climb Everest again. Yeah. We had Noda on later, and I asked Noda, do you believe him? Noda's response was no. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think the the hairline may be thinner. You know, the miles have been, you know, well-worn. The tires have lost him. He's a lion in winter,
1: but still a lion.
0: He is, and I still think he's playing chess, and and a lot of the guys are playing checkers. I once talked to Noda about the different teachers that he's had throughout his career in Tiger and, you know, was this philosophy and that. And, And basically, Tiger's forgotten more about golf than just about anybody knows about golf. Tiger's forgotten more about the golf swing than any of us will ever know. And I think the coaches that he's worked with, sure, he's gotten information from Butch and from Hank and from Como and from Foley, but at the end of the day, it's Tiger's hands and feel. He may need eyeballs to confirm, but nobody has to teach Tiger Woods how to play golf. And at this point in his career, I I think the ownership that he has of his swing is as good as it's been. The question will be, how does the body hold up over the many of events that he wants to play this year.
1: And only one man in this game, Damon, can turn winter into spring with yep. one tweet. That's why
0: I was my newsmaker for 2022. <laughs> Optimism is blooming <laughs> In our conversation yesterday. How about our social question of the day? And why not? What are your expectations for Tiger next month? Send in your comments for a chance to be featured on this very show at GC Golf Today. It's a bit of a week on the
1: LPGA Tour this week as well. The last chance to qualify for the season finale next week in Naples. After the break, Paige McKenzie will break down the front runners and the dark horses.
3: Guaranteed.
1: Welcome back to Golf Today. On Sunday, Gemma Driver became the eleventh first-time winner this season on the LPGA Tour. She put together a pretty impressive weekend at the Total Japan Classic with rounds of 65, 65 to finish at 20 under par. And that vaulted Driver from 78th place to 41st in the season-long race to the
0: CME Globe. Those standings right now are being topped by Lydia Ko. Aiming this week, the LPJ Tour moves back to Florida for the Pelican Women's Championship. Pretty pictures. First-round coverage comes your way Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern time, right here on Golf Channel. And once again, a strong field for this event. You've got Nellie Corda. She secured her fourth LPJ win of the season here last year. Lydia Ko got it done a couple weeks ago in Korea. So need to speak with her. Very emotional after that win, so for more on this week's LPGA event, let's welcome in Paige McKenzie. Paige has been crunching the numbers, has some of her best bets for the week. Let's start with the top of the board, Paige. Who's your favorite this week?
4: Uh, well, the book's favorite, I will say, and I think this is a unanimous decision across all the sports books, is that it is Lydia Ko. That is the the short odds uh, at plus at 525 when I'm looking at points uh, points bet it's an incredibly short odds and th- there's a reason behind that and obviously you've mentioned Lydia Ko coming into this week off of a win in Korea but that wasn't the only solid finish that she's had of late. Uh, there's a reason that she's leading the CME standing and that's because she's had consistent play all season long. These are her most recent starts and it's pretty impressive when you consider in the last eight starts. Uh, seven of those are in the top ten and, and it's just been consistent through, throughout the season when you look at even the scoring average we're going to talk a lot about the player of the year race but one of the races that's nearly locked up is the scoring average on the year Lydia Ko has a pretty wide margin between the second place person and Yoju Kim uh, that margin is equal to the next of Yoju Kim to the eighth person on the list it's that wide. Uh, for lydia Coe and how she's performed this season so that is why she is the favorite this week at plus 525.
1: paige lydia Coe is just one of several notable names in the field as we've seen who else do you have your eye on this week
4: uh, it's hard to ignore lexi thompson whenever the lpga tour returns to florida and for this particular event this is a place where lexi thompson nearly won last year she finished bogey bogey to end up in a four-way playoff and Nelly Korda ultimately won, uh, but it came down to a few missed putts coming down the stretch—a three-putt on the 17th hole, a missed four-footer, and then a missed short putt. Like the one we're seeing right now in the playoffs that ultimately cost her the title. Now, the reason why I would be bullish on Lexi Thompson, especially at plus 1,800, 18-1 to 1, to win is because she's actually coming off of a win. Uh, she played the Ladies European Tour event in New York uh, recently. She was able to capture that win, first win in a very long time. So I think for somebody that's consistently performed well, getting over the finish line maybe provides a little bit of confidence moving into this week, and I, th- I think there's some value there at plus 1,800.
1: Those are two pretty nice margins to actually have on players. Is there there somebody who would qualify as a a value pick who's maybe not in that absolute top tier of bookmakers' choices this week?
4: To to me, this is mind-blowing, you guys. There's very few times where I feel like the book maybe gets it wrong, handicaps it incorrectly. But I had to double to uh, have a double take when I looked at say young Kim's odds plus uh, at plus 1800 this week it's shocking considering her performance here this event's only been played twice and she won it in 2020 and she was one of the four in that playoff last season uh, and so I thought maybe she's not performing well maybe coming into this week I'm not seeing the results that you'd expect well no she she comes into this week off of a tie for 17th and a 7th place finish in her last two starts. So she's got good form coming into this week. I will say the only caution flag that I would wave as it relates to Se Young Kim is that her last actual victory on the LPGA Tour was here in 2020. Uh, she's not been able to cross the finish line in two years. So perhaps uh, there's a little hesitancy there, but I see uh, some serious value with Se Young Kim this week.
0: Speaking of value, Paige McKenzie bringing value to this program as she always does. Enjoy your Wednesday. Thanks so much, Paige. Thank you, guys. Back on golf today, Sunday, it was the Georgia Bulldog Russell Henley in the Winter Circle on the PJ2 for the first time since 2017.
2: Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference.
0: Started the day with a six-shot lead, one by four, for his fourth career PGA Tour victory. And I tell you what, it's been a minute for Russell. You see, the drought's broken on the PGA Tour in the current season of four years plus. Mac Hughes, Keegan Bradley, Russell Henley, five years, seven months, and four days. Russell joins us now from Houston. It's good to see you, pal. When you reflect on Mayakoba and how you navigated through all that trouble in those mangroves. You hadn't won since 2017. What are you most proud of?
5: Yeah, I mean, I've never led a tournament by six shots. Um, Sleeping on the lead uh, Friday and Saturday night and coming out and playing really solid tee to green, which is the most important thing there, Um, to be able to make birdies, um, you know, hitting hitting fairways and hitting greens and came out and played really solid. That, That was definitely what I'm most proud of. Russell, you didn't
1: show any signs of wobble at all with that big lead on Sunday. Was that because of the confidence in the way you were playing, or was it because of hard-earned experience in the past out there on tour?
5: I'd say it's probably a combination. I mean, failures definitely pushed me to work harder and try to learn how to be better in pressure situations. Definitely haven't always handled it the best, and... um, you know, I think just learning from my mistakes and learning from, from not getting it done was huge and definitely, you know, was feeling great about my game as well.
0: I love how blunt you were about how you had struggled with the 54-hole lead. You said you choked. How do you view that term? Does everybody choke and it just comes down to who chokes
5: less? Um, I mean, I, I guess so. I mean, I think, you know, everybody out here would agree that when you have a little pressure on you I think that's what can bring out some of your best golf um but I think that sometimes um when you're not feeling as confident it can it can bring out some some tentative golf as well so I mean I think everybody probably chokes except for maybe Tiger and some other guys like that but uh you know I've just come down the stretch before and and look back and know that I wasn't committed to what I was doing and didn't execute and I knew knew what I had to do, and I didn't do it. And so, those are tough losses. Um, I don't necessarily think I choked this year against Hideki at the Sony. I thought I played a pretty good back nine, um, but you know, in shooting 65 on Sunday and losing in a playoff, I don't really consider choking. But I did lose a five-shot lead. Um, so just looking back at things like that, Greensboro as well. I've, I was playing so well there a couple years ago and didn't get it done. You know, I. Those, the, they burn. It hurts. And, um, you know, but it also is what makes this this victory really sweet. And I'm just really thankful for it. Russell,
1: you won the Haskins Award as an outstanding college golfer. You won it early on the Corn Ferry Tour. You won in your PGA Tour debut at Sony back in 2013. Did that give you a perhaps unreasonable expectation of how quickly and how frequently success should come in the professional ranks?
5: I think so. I mean, I think... In the beginning of my career I didn't really know what to expect I didn't know what I was doing I I knew right when I got on tour I was on a little bit of a hot streak and playing well but uh, this tour will humble you um, it's very hard everybody's very good and uh, everybody's hungry and um, if you're not um, working hard at your game and you're not hungry and you're probably not going to be uh, in contention and um, it just takes a lot of a lot of good hard work to to, to get there and I think that um, you know, so many of these younger guys seem like they are—they have all that kind of already dialed into their to their program. Um, but I, I certainly didn't at the start. I definitely, just in terms of being consistent, and um, yeah, it's I, I, you know, I keep learning. I try to keep improving.
1: You go back to 2014, and also a year that you won on tour. You averaged 293.7 yards, and you ranked 61st in distance on the PGA Tour. You're now ranked with 293.9 yards, you're ranked 149th in driving distance on tour. Do you feel as though it gets harder with each year to kind of hang in there the way this game is played at the elite level now?
5: I think so. Um, I think I've done a pretty good job of embracing my own game though. And I think that it's pretty hard to gain a lot of distance out here. And so typically, you know, I'm not trying to chase six yards um, if that's going to make me miss one more fairway around, because I can rely on my my iron game. And so, it definitely does get harder. The courses get longer. I feel like sometimes they get longer and more a little more wide open, which I don't like. But um, you know, end of the day, it's about who can get a hot putter and who can manage their game well. And uh, hitting along is definitely an advantage, but. You know, I think that I have other strengths that, and you know, other guys who hit at my distance um, as well have other strengths that we can still get the ball in the hole. Well, it's such a mental game
0: as well. Earlier in your career, you had a, a cool affirmation, a reminder on your phone that said you're the best putter in the world. Do you still use that or any other affirmations <laughs> like that?
5: Uh, I don't use that. I think I got really frustrated at one point when I was last in putting a couple years ago on, on the tour. So <laughs> took that off. But uh, – Trying to trying to just, you know, affirm myself with the hard work I put in and the hours I spend working on my game, um, taking notes on what I need to get better at. Right now practice plans, you know, going to the gym, making sure my body feels good. You know, that's all those things are kind of what affirm me and know that I'm I'm on the right track. It's just it's just the work I put into to this game.
0: You're 33 years of age. I want to ask you a question I asked another Georgia Bulldog last year. Kevin Kisner, it's hard to assess your career mid-career. I asked Kis, you know, what are your thoughts on your career so far? He was like, eh, you, you're a four-time winner now, Russell. I'm curious your thoughts on your career to date.
5: Yeah, I was thinking about that early, early, yeah, earlier this week. Um, when I was in college, you said, hey, you're going to be on the tour for the next 13 years, um, so after this win, I'm going to be exempt for 13 straight seasons on the PGA Tour, four wins. and." Playing a ton of majors, I'd say sign me up. I definitely wish at this point I would have played better in majors and maybe made some Presidents Cup teams and Ryder Cup teams. Uh, I still think I can definitely do that, and I'm I'm still really excited to be in the position I'm in. But um, overall, I'm very thankful for it. Um, I think you know, no matter who you are, you're always going to look back and wish that you could have done a little better here or there. But um, you know, getting to play golf on tour, play golf for a living, um, it's it's really awesome, and I'm really thankful.
1: Russell, you mentioned a little earlier that you don't really like it when golf courses get a little bit too wide. That's certainly not the case at Mayakoba, which tends to reward guys who are straight in your top ten in accuracy on the PGA Tour. Would you like to see accuracy off the tee tested perhaps a little more often in PGA Tour setups than it
5: typically is? Well, of course that would be an advantage for me, but to me, I don't feel like um, making a course a little bit more narrow. Uh, and penal off the tee is taken away from the guys who can hit it a long way. Um, you know, I think that when the fairways are really, really wide and there's not a ton of trouble around them, um, you know, you can. It takes a little bit of. It, it's obviously more a- advantageous to just bomb it. And I think that hitting the ball straight is a part of being, you know, a pro, having control your golf ball and not just hitting it long. Although hitting it long is a skill, and so I see the argument for both. I think that you'd have to use less land and building these new huge golf courses if you did if you did that um but you know overall I mean I I see the advantage of both I think hitting it straight is a skill I think hitting it long is a skill and this is an athletic sport it's turning into a very athletic sport I mean the drives Rory was hitting at the CJ Cup were unbelievable they were so far and um so I have a lot of you know respect for for being able to do that um so I see it both ways um and uh you know I'm just you just try to adapt to whatever, whatever, however they set it up.
0: How about this golf course this week, Memorial Park? You are a past champion of the Houston Open, but at a different golf course. You're coming to town off of a win. How are you feeling in terms of how this golf course specifically sets up for your game?
5: Yeah, I think hitting it long out here is important, but uh, hitting it straight is very important, too. The rough's thick. You can catch flyers, uh, a lot of long holes. So being in the fairway is important to control your ball. Um, I love the Bermuda Greens. Um, I was in contention last year, um, played with Jason Kokrak, who ended up winning, and uh, gave myself a chance to to have a run on the back nine and didn't didn't do much on the back nine on Sunday. But um, I I feel good about it. I'm excited to play here. I like being in Houston. And, um, yeah, it's cool to be a past champion.
1: A lot of changes going on in the schedule these days, Russell, with the elevated events coming in. There's a certain lack of clarity, what the fall looks like next year. Are you a fan of this new series of elevated events? And do you have any sense if you will actually have a title to defend next year with whatever the fall schedule looks like?
5: Yeah. You know, I'm not sure. I think um, this is a, a new thing they're doing. Um, and, and I'm just going to have to see how it shakes out. I don't want to say something and then have to, you know, retract my statement later. but. I'm definitely excited about the changes the tour is making in terms of I think everybody's coming together to try to make it better and I think that's what's most important and uh, I'm excited to play another season on the PGA Tour. Every event we play is um, really special and really great and um, you know I'm excited to be a part and have the option to play all the elevated events as well so um, a lot of positives for sure.
0: Speaking of play, I know you used to occasionally play a six string bringing out on the PGA Tour jamming with Darius Rucker Mm -hmm. or OAR, you're a dad now, so I know you're busy as well. How much are you still being able to play some tunes from time to time to settle yourself in this crazy <laughs> life?
5: Yeah, not much. Son, a lot of changing diapers and uh, <laughs> wrestling with my son. And um, I was at the playground yesterday morning, and my little girl wanted me to run from uh, pretend bears with her. So, <laughs> just, just you know, it's just all kids. It's all kids right now, and I love it. Uh, Not a lot of time to to play guitar, Um, uh, but, yeah, those were some fun times uh, getting to play on stage with with Darius for sure. Diaper change, and that's uh, Fatherhood 101 right there, Russell. Hey, listen, congrats on Myakoba.
0: It's great to see you, and, uh, listen, best of luck this week.
5: Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it.
1: It's a home state game for Scotty Scheffler this week in Houston and he has a chance to bump Rory McIlroy from the top of the world golf ranking in Houston. We'll hear from the number two on his game plan to become number one again. And Gemma Dryborough was on top of the world last weekend in Japan as a first time winner on the LPGA Tour. She's here to talk about her triumph and there's some Tiger news as
0: well. Winners all day as Golf Today continues. Yes, news of the day, the 15-time major champ Tiger Woods will tee it up in next month's Hero World Challenge. This will mark Tiger's first return to competition since the 150th Open at St. Andrews. Tiger, nice to share this news on social media. Excited to announce that I will be in the field for this year's Hero World Challenge. A big welcome to Kevin Kisner and Tommy Fleetwood for joining us as well. See you soon at Albany. We thought it'd be fun to make it our social question of the day. What are your expectations for Tiger next month? Send in your comments for a chance to be featured on this very show. Hope your Wednesday It's off to a great start. I'm Damon Hackeys, Eamon Lynch of Golf Week magazine. Here we sit toward the end of 2022, Tiger Woods making news. And at this point in his career that he still wants to entertain us and compete.
1: What a gift to golf. And that's why I object to this social question and even posing the expectations (laughs) for Tiger right here. To me, it's the mere fact that he's playing still at this stage of his career is more than we probably should have expected at this point. And it is becoming something of a tradition with Tiger, though, at this time of the year, where out of nowhere he announces that he's going to get back in the battlefield. He did it a couple of years ago when he first played the, the PNC Championship with Charlie, did it again last year, and then it's just an overload right now. We've got him for... The hero in the first week of December who follows in the second weekend with a match that involves Rory McEnroy, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas. Then the following week, presumably, we're expecting to see him with Charlie again mm. at the PNC Championship in Orlando. So it really is going to be a month of
0: Tiger. It is. And I don't think he's doing this just to go through the motions. I mean, to sit next to Tiger and hear him tell stories to a room of kids as he did at this Tiger Junior Invitational. I got to sit next to him, and he's quoting Kobe Bryant. I mean, you're getting a little peek at the tippy-tippy top of the mountaintop, and I believe this is how he is still wired, the competitive nature, the chasing excellence. And maybe he doesn't get to 16 majors. Maybe he'll never win on the P.J. Tour again. But my goodness, he still wants to put his body and his mind through this, and he's still, I believe gets joy and, and, and fuel from rubbing elbows with Hideki and JT. And according to Rory McIlroy, Tigers won the player
1: impact program for the second year in a row, mm. which is a pretty significant bonus to win as well for a guy who made so few starts and didn't make an impact inside the ropes but yeah. it just
0: proves that nobody makes more of an impact outside the ropes than this guy and he will do once again this December but how about this past weekend strong final round for Scotty Scheffler former world number one like Tiger in Mexico reigning PJ Tour player of the year carded a nine under 62 to finish in a tie for third and would have returned to number one in the official world golf ranking with a win or a solo second you see that Beautiful round of golf. Got the old faithful putter back in the bag with which he won four times last season. Look at all those circles. 30 and 32 in that round of 62. Let's take a look at the official world golf ranking. And nice to have a little, little tension in the fall. Rory and Scotty kind of hand it back and forth. Who will be number one at the end of 2022 with more on the weekend. Houston, let's welcome in Steve Burkowski from Memorial Park golf course scotty met the media from what i understand Burkle, what do you have to say
6: he did indeed damon the reigning pga tour player of the year has had an amazing last 12 months you referenced the fact he won four times on the pga tour also had four runner-up finishes including a tie for second right here at this event 12 months ago and it was that result that was part of the floodgates opening up for scotty scheffler
7: I've never played very good in the fall. I don't know why that is. From the time I got to college and basically up until last year, I'd always struggled in the fall. I don't know exactly why that was. I I always kind of try stuff, but in college, that was kind of the middle of our season. And so it was weird that I, for some reason, I don't know, maybe it was because of football season. Who knows? I, I never played well. Um, and last year was really the first time where I did. And it was nice kind of going into the off season, feeling very comfortable where my game was at. and. Um, I was able to just fine tune things instead of really feeling like I had to work on a ton of stuff. It was more just like, let's kind of get this thing rolling and going into the beginning of the year. I, I just played really well.
6: How does that serve you well this week knowing that, okay, maybe you figured out October November.
7: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm getting there. Last week was definitely good. You know, CJ obviously didn't play my best stuff, but last week I played, you know, really solid golf. Um, and so it definitely gives me a good bit of confidence. and. I'm, I'm working on a lot of the same stuff I was last year about this time, and so hopefully it'll it'll continue to pay off.
6: Well, a lot of that stuff is working for Scotty Scheffler, trying to continue that fall run. You guys touched on the fact he closed with 62 at Mayakoba just a few days ago, finishing tied for third. Wouldn't be a surprise to see world number two, squarely in the mix, come here uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Berko, there's a lot of unknowns in the golf course these
1: days, and one of those relates to the fall schedule what it looks like going forward you talk to some of the players out there about this particular portion of the calendar what are they saying to you
6: yeah looking ahead aim into 2023 no one really has a sense of what the fall schedule is going to look like but what they did want to focus on the opportunity in the fall season what that can mean for a player getting a jump on the fedex cup standings maybe get inside that top 10 and for a select few a chance to make a trip to the winner's circle, and sometimes a victory like that in the fall can set up a career year on the PGA Tour, as well as learning how to deal with some of those peaks and valleys by winning so early.
8: I learned a lot uh, winning my first year, winning Sea Island, um, and probably what not to do. Um, And It was that uh, I won, I got tons of confidence and belief, but I think that what hurt me was my expectation Rose to a level that you know probably wasn't uh, really fitting, uh, and I just felt like, I felt like I put too much pressure on myself to to live up to that every day. And um, I certainly believe m- my good golf is good enough to win on any given week, but I don't uh, go into next year expecting those things to happen. Uh, I'm just going to continue to prepare the way I do, and uh, just knowing that my good golf has uh, been able to to win a couple times on the PGA Tour.
6: And another win coming this fall. How are you now better prepared to handle the ups and downs that come along with that victory?
8: Yeah, I think that uh, it's obviously always exciting when you get to, to host a trophy. Um, I've said this numerous times to people in the last couple of months that you just you don't get that feeling very often of uh, saying, I beat everyone here this week and I get to host, hoist the trophy. You can have great weeks that result in second, fifth, tenth, um, but winning is a whole different feeling. And uh, I think going into next year, it just uh, – you know, it, it shifts my focus a little bit. Um, obviously, my goal is to stay near the top uh, as long as I can and keep myself in a, in a position to, like to to win the FedEx Cup. And um, you know, obviously, I set my goals um, high, and um, you know, it'll be tough to uh, you know it'll be tough to win the FedEx Cup. But uh, certainly, put myself in a good spot so far, and um, I'll just keep chasing it and uh, doing the best I can every day.
5: I've won twice in Napa, so that's uh, obviously I'm a huge fan of the fall, and it's definitely set me up for my best years. And um, even the years that, that I haven't won in Napa, I've played well in uh, Malaysia or Japan or um, had some, some good events that have really helped me for the rest of the season.
6: What have you learned when especially the wins in Napa of how maybe you approach the schedule different uh, in that next calendar year, knowing that you've already got that one under your belt.
5: Yeah, I mean, that opens up all the opportunities, right? You, you get into the Masters, you get into the PGA. Now you're looking at, you know, things like match play and making sure that you're you're ready for Bay Hill and Memorial and things like that versus uh, years when you're not, you're just trying to get as many points as you can and, and play wherever you're in. To be exempt, basically the next three years, three seasons on tour is sweet. I mean, job security, <laughs> I, I love being on the PGA Tour. I love competing out right here. I love uh, preparing and just seeing how good I can be and playing these awesome courses. So I'm um, in front of awesome fans. Um, it's, it's so exciting. Um, and, you know, I, I just having that kind of, you know, three-year deal to know that I'm, I'm get, I can just kind of focus on, um, you know, just trying to see how good I can be is awesome. And not that I wasn't doing that before, but it's pretty sweet to be, uh, you know, a champion again
6: to put it into a little more perspective four of the last six FedEx Cup champions had won during the fall season. And when you look at last season, six of the nine winners from last fall ultimately teed it up at Eastlake in the Tour Championship. So it is an enormous benefit for those that take advantage of this opportunity, guys, as I send it back to you, because no one truly knows what the fall of 2023 is going to look like on the PGA Tour schedule. So with just a few weeks remaining in 2022, There are plenty looking to pick up that W to wrap up their year. No doubt. Burkle posting up
0: Memorial Park in Houston. Your thoughts on the fall? We've seen some some big-time winners. Rory McIlroy getting it done. What do you take on what we've seen in this part of the year, which is typically sleepier compared to other times in the season?
1: Well, it's definitely the end of an era. The tour has announced that, that there are going to be changes coming. What is looming here is the uncertainty. We know guys are going to be playing we don't know necessarily what they're playing for. We know what they're not playing for. There will be no FedEx Cup points available next fall, and the tour has said there will be at least six events. Currently, there are nine. There are rumours circulating. <clears throat> excuse me, that the last week's venue, Mayakoba, might end up hosting a Live Events. So that could potentially have an impact on the schedule as well. But there's just a tremendous amount of uncertainty whether guys will be playing for. Some guys will play for status. If they don't make the FedEx Cup playoffs this year outside of the top 70, then they're basically playing for reshuffle status starting the calendar year season Mm. in 2024. Most of them will, frankly, be playing for cold hard cash. And I think a lot of the elite guys that we see are probably going to be seen more internationally. They'll join the DP World Tour race to the finals over there. I think more likely.
0: I do wonder if this is an opportunity for the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour with the strategic alliance, which we see at the Genesis Scottish Open, to add another event that both uh, that patronizes both the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour that is co-sanctioned an Irish Open or something of that ilk. Whatever it is, however it looks, you know, what is going to be in terms of how will it look and will it be meaningful? For the viewer, you know, we're fortunate that we have Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler at this point kind of dueling for number one in the world. How important is it that we have some tension, some definition to this time of the schedule? That's the
1: word that's missing here. To give it a little bit of meaning, it's not as though we've had journeyman winners here. I mean, we've had elite and quality winners starting with the season with Max Homa. At the Fortnite Championship, we've had Rory McIlroy win as well. It just needs to have a little more meaning and Mm. direction as to what exactly these Mm. guys are playing with. But one thing that might actually help is some early reports that the 20 events that the elite players have to commit to going forward from January on the PGA Tour, that they will be allowed to include one of these fall events, whatever they happen to be, among those 20. And that will give those events some hope, that perhaps even more hope than they have now, of their ability to actually attract some elite players in there who don't want to squeeze those 20 events Mm. into that
0: January to August timeframe. Still some questions to be answered. Hopefully we get those answers over the coming weeks in the game.
1: Well, on Sunday, Scotland's Gemma Driver broke through on the LPGA Tour for her first career victory at the Toto Japan Classic. With the victory, Driver became the 11th Rolex first-time winner of the year and the fourth difference Scot to win on the LPGA Tour, the first since Katrina Matthew in 2011. After the win, she tweeted this, I dreamt of this moment for a long time. I'm an LPGA Tour winner. Words can't describe how much this means to me. Thanks to my team and my parents for everything they've done for me. Thank you, Japan. You've stolen a piece of my heart forever. And afterwards, she spoke about what it meant.
9: Can you believe that you are the champion in 2022? I can't, to be honest. Um, I was in Korea last week with friends and um, I said to them, um, I'll mention you in my speech just as a joke. Um, but it's just un- its overwhelming, to be honest. This is a dream of mine for a long time. Um, a lot of hard work's gone into this, so uh, it means so much. This really is a life-changing moment. Yeah, it is. Um I've got to say thanks to Paul and my caddy and my coaches back home. Sorry.
4: <laughs>
9: yeah, no, um, amazing uh, work with them all over the years, and um, this means a lot.
1: <coughs> We're pleased now to be joined by Gemma Driver. Gemma? Congratulations on the victory. A couple of 65s on the weekend would suggest that the nerves maybe weren't as much of an issue as people might have expected. How did you feel going into that final round?
9: Uh, beforehand, I was pretty nervous. I didn't sleep that well the day the, that night. Um, but actually, when I got on the course, I felt remarkably calm somehow. So um, I just was so confident in my game, uh, putting well, obviously, and uh, just everything went my way.
0: You mentioned breathing, and you know it's not kind of a cliche, one shot at a time, breathe, control your breath, maybe in through the nose, out through the mouth. How focused were you on just breathing and really trying to stay in the moment?
9: Yeah, I really focused on it. Um, I was in the final group last year in Portland, and I wouldn't say I dealt with it that well then, and I learned a lot from that, and I knew I had to focus on, on my breathing. I've been working a lot on meditation in the last kind of year and a half. Um, And that's helped me so much and um, I just used that all day and it just kept me really calm, which was great.
1: Gemma, a year ago, you were 310th in the Rolex rankings. Now you're 92nd. Do you feel comfortable with a a rise that fast? Do you feel as though you're finally realizing potential that you've had, or does it feel a little bit strange to you
9: still? Um, If I'm honest, I felt like I was better than my ranking suggested. But it's just great to finally see that um, reflected in the rankings. Um, But yeah, amazing to be in the top 100. It was a a goal of mine for a while.
1: You've played on a lot of tours around the world during your career. Did you grow impatient at any point during that time? Or were you able to focus on having a longer term view of a pathway to success?
9: I think I've always just um, focused on improving each year. I have to admit, during that COVID period, I did get a little bit frustrated because I just kind of lost my card and um, had a little bit of status, but um, with the tournaments being cancelled and then that year they didn't reshuffle. So um, it was quite frustrating not getting into the events that I deserved. To, I thought I deserved to be in. But um, after that, I kind of reset and got got my card back at Q Series. And yeah, now here I am.
0: Gemma, you come from such a golf-rich country in Scotland. Tremendous players. Katrina Matthew, the previous winner on the LPGA from Scotland. How did you arrive to the game? Maybe who were some of your mentors and folks that you looked up to?
9: Uh, Well, yeah, Dad obviously got me into the game. He's a big golfer. Like you said, Um, there's golf everywhere in Scotland. Uh, But Katrina Matthew is definitely a hero of mine. Uh, She's been a bit of a mentor to me. She's always offered advice whenever I wanted to, to ask her anything. Um, I did get a message from her as well, which was nice. Um, yeah, um, amazing. To, I mean, I remember watching her win the, the Open. Um, uh, that was just so inspiring.
1: Now that you've got this trophy, Gemma, how does that reset the goals or expectations you have of yourself? Not just for this season, but going forward.
9: Yeah, it changes everything. Um, being in the majors next year, um, not having to qualify for any of them, which is great. Um, and then obviously being in CMA next week. Uh, that was a big goal of mine this year. Um, And I knew I needed a top, you know, a, a good finish to get in there next week. So um obviously done that and uh, it's yeah, changed a lot of my goals. So I have to kind of reset and uh, speak with my uh, team at the end of the season and kind of see what we're, we're aiming for next year.
0: Gemma, as you're probably aware, this is National Alzheimer's Awareness Month here at Golf Channel. We lost our dear friend, Tim Rosefort, to that disease. I understand your grandmother has been dealing with Alzheimer's you've posted pictures of her what is her story and how have you been able to kind of work to kind of highlight the battle that she's facing right now
9: yes we kind of uh, as soon as my grandpa died in 2019 um, he was actually already seeing kind of signs he said to us oh I'm a bit worried about Margaret and um, that was when we kind of started to see it deteriorate um oh there there we are um and yeah, so it's it's been tough. We've kind of gradually seen her deteriorate over the last few years, and now she's in a home being really well looked after. Um, I must say, mum went to see her today actually, and she said that. Uh, I'll try not get emotional here, but um, she showed a picture of her of me with the trophy, and we got a little smile from her. So we don't get too much from her, but when we get a smile, it just means so much.
0: Well, Gemma, we love your story and know how much your grandmother means to you. And thanks for being a spokesperson in the fight against Alzheimer's. Congratulations on your win in Japan. We hope to visit with you again soon.
9: Thank you so much.